and welcome to the week nine edition of the Mega Preview Podcast here at thelines.com. Matt Brown, Stephen Anders, Adam Candy coming to you guys. This is a week I cannot wait to get what you guys think of this week. I said, and I stick by this, that this is the grossest betting week of the last five years. Prove me wrong. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about all of that. You can find Steven over on the Twitter machine at Steven Anders. You can find Adam, Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. I am Matt Brown, M2 on the Twitter machine. And also everything we do absolutely free. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below and uh, we'll rock and roll here. I do want to start this off with just a little bit of a, uh, I'll call it a rant, fellas. So what I will say is we spend probably way too many hours breaking these games down, digging into the advanced statistics, trying to find edges and matchup edges and slight things that may or may not tilt a game over or under or whatever there, any angle we can find for any of these games. It's probably not for everybody, right? And like, so yesterday, and the reason I say this is because there's probably some people who found this channel yesterday and I just kind of want to address. So we get through Thursday night football. I do an eight minute video where I, explain how I feel like the game script could go with all of that throughout the course of the game script. I say, you know, I'm going to have an under ticket in my account, a pretty heavy lean to the Steelers. I have no props because I feel like the range of outcomes in this game is so incredibly wide that I don't want to put a prop bet out of there or whatever. So really the only bet I can assure you is going to be in my account is the under. Maybe I get to the two and a half on the Steelers. I don't, I'm not quite sure. And I'm not going to have any props with did you go lots in the comments? Feedback. Lots of lots of feedback of boy, that was eight minutes of someone saying nothing. And that was you're oh, you're boy. paid, you're paid, you are paid to give us prop bets and whatever and all this stuff and all the different things that go on there. And listen, I get it. If you guys want 90 seconds of someone just rattling off five bets with no context, this is probably not the channel for you. Like, I mean, probably not, but if you would like us to do the research for you and do the work for you and tell you why we ended up on the bets we did. And you might can disagree with us and that's perfectly fine as well. Like I, I, I hope that somewhere along the way, our vantage point actually puts you on the other side, but at least it's, there's a reason for you going to the other side because you disagree with the angle that we saw in these various games. And so I, I just, I, I want everyone to know we're trying to kind of help you along with the process with all of this and help you along in the reasoning for what we did, what we did, because I'm never going to give you a no context bet. And Adam's never going to give you a no context bet. And Steven's never going to give you a no context bet because that's just empty. Like if you want that, there's a million different places. You can just Google free picks and whatever. And then someone will literally give you one sentence that says like, I like this one because nine and eight uh, over the last 47 games, whatever. If you want that, that's that's probably not what we're here for. Guys, that was me ranting on all of this, but I do want people here to understand what we're doing. We're trying to, we're trying to like give you a reason for what we're doing. Like we don't want to be like everybody else. Well said, well said. First of all, I love when you go into the YouTube comments because it's entertaining as hell. Well, people were tweeting at me. It wasn't necessarily oh, the YouTube. At, that's aggressive. Yeah, like there are people aggressive. tweeting at me and whatever and all that, which, you know, again, I have thick skin. I, I don't, I'm not bothered by it. I just want to explain to people who are finding this channel and finding whatever, like what we do here. We're trying to, we're, we're trying to put in the work so you don't have to, you know, like, like we're trying to put in the work. Very simply put, we're never going to share a bet that we're not making on our own. 
It's yeah. a very right. simple like, strategy. I'm not, I could have said three prop concept. bets that I didn't put in my account. Right. I mean, like, you know, like I could have said like, oh, I like this, like this, like that, whatever, and then moved on. But the fact of the matter is, is I didn't have any prop bets last night. I wasn't going to put any prop bets in my account. So I'm not going to just tell you three randos just for the hell of it, you know? So yeah, if you just- want to go follow some rando social media person who thinks hashtag Vegas, Vegas knows in the NFL is scripted, <laughs> go right ahead. If you yeah. want transparency and research and honesty from people who have been doing this for several years now on a podcast that has been profitable over the long term, then you've come to the right place. If you don't like that, you can go find like, I don't know, Jay Gruden's step nephew or whatever. Who thinks there's conspiracy <laughs> theories out there. So uh, yeah, well said, well said, Matt. Good all right, let's get into this. Sorry, Adam. I know we just, you know, I just, uh, but I, I, I just want people to know like what we're, what we're trying to do here at the line. It's like trying to, trying to make you smarter out there. Uh, let's start Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is now one and a half two in favor of the Chiefs. This is over in Germany. 50 and a half is your total. And Adam, this total has not moved. I thought maybe people would look at this and there would be a position one way or the other. Like, oh my God, this is too low. This is going to be a shootout. Or, oh my God, this is too high. How could we ever do this in a Germany game? Instead, that's kind of been pretty stagnant. Uh, There was a little bit of movement on the Chiefs, then a little bit of movement on the Dolphins, but it's kind of stayed here too in this kind of one and a half to two, two and a half-ish range as well. We know the travel stuff. The Dolphins went early. The Chiefs went later. If if you guys want to bake that into your handicap, go ahead. From what I gather, the stadium over there is a retractable roof, so we don't have to worry about the weather. With all of that, Adam, look, 6.30 a.m. for us. We're going to be getting up early. We're going to be watching this one. Can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly a game of the year candidate between Miami and Kansas City over in Germany. And no matter how I poke or prod this game, I end up coming out to the one same way that I want to go after it. So let me start with the narratives that I'm sure you're hearing out there this week. Mahomes at less than a field goal is a smash. Okay. Yeah. And I can't necessarily argue with that because of what (laughs) history has shown you. Um, Miami can't beat anybody good. They've played two games against good teams. Granted, they have not looked fantastic in all 60 minutes of those games. I don't think they've been roundly awful. However, so my bet in this game actually is on the total. And I'm glad you mentioned that first, Matt. I only have a handful of actual hard plays as opposed to leans this week. Mm-hmm. And one of them is under in Miami and Kansas city. And this is the reason that I come to that. So if I look at the Miami offense and I want to take that idea of they're bad against good teams, right? Well, Kansas city's defense has been very good with this one caveat. They can be had a bit against the run. And that is when Miami's offense is going truly well is when they're running the ball. And when you've seen in games like the one against Philadelphia, when the offense doesn't look good, it's because the opposing defense has been able to take away the run from the Miami Dolphins. Now, their offensive line is getting healthier this week. They might get Toron Armstead back. They are going to at least get one, if not two, starting linemen back on the offensive side. And Raheem Mostert is expected to be able to play. He was just given a full go designation a few minutes ago as we report this on Friday. Uh, Chiefs could be down another linebacker. They're already down Nick Bolton. They could be down Willie Gay. Now, on the other side of this, the, the Kansas City offense. What do we know about the Kansas City offense? It is that despite the fact that you see one performance against the Chargers this year in which Mahomes had 320 yards in the first half, you see otherwise that this team has essentially been a methodical take what's in front of you offense 
all the way along. And in the second half, if Andy Reid has a lead, these scores do not run up. Kansas City has effectively become kind of like Philadelphia from last year where they get a lead and they don't extend it. And so I come after it and say, all right, Mahomes at less than a field goal. Yeah, I can look at it and say this is right in teaser range for Miami. Yeah, all of those make sense. And frankly, I'm not going to give you a huge pushback on any of them. But no matter which way I stretched this out and pulled and prodded it, it all came back to under for me. So I went about this a little bit different, Stephen, and I'm I'm interested uh, to hear how you went about it. I played Miami minus two and a half at plus one thirty five. Um, so I ended up here. Either the offense works against this defense and they win and they win the game outright and probably win the game by at least a little bit of margin, or it doesn't work and they just get blown out. Like you know, it's it's like I, I look at it in one of two ways because what we've seen with Miami is they have an incredibly efficient offense in both aspects from a passing aspect, from a rushing aspect. Yes. We have seen it get stifled a couple of different times whenever we are looking at, at some of these other high profile games that they played, but for the majority, I think that they're much better. And um, I think that this is where we're going to get all the good plays from McDaniel. I think that we're going to make this a, kind of a statement type game. Listen, the Dolphins know what's at stake here. They know what's going on with this game. They know what this could potentially mean for them down the line. And I think that it's kind of one of two ways. The offense works. They get a lead. They're able to protect said lead. And then I I can cover the two and a half. If not, doesn't work. Defense wins out. Kansas City's defense is legitimately a top five defense against anyone. And with that, hey, they probably lose this and lose this at margin. So it's like, if I was going to play Kansas City, I would almost play Kansas City at minus, you know, three and a half, whatever you wanted to take to get you a big plus number. And it's kind of the same deal with Miami, which is the side that I'm taking, which is 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 laying points with Miami here. I think that there is a game script that with the with how good and efficiently Miami runs the ball, that if they're able to get up 10 points in this game, And if you look at the one kind of bugaboo for the Chiefs defense, it is their run defense. And look, that's by design a lot of the times where they're like, you know, we'll give you the less efficient way of moving the ball and we're going to protect the pass. But if Miami is up two scores, then that doesn't work for the Chiefs. And and how good Miami is running the ball and how good McDaniel is at at calling these run plays as well, I think that they could salt away a lead as well. And then Kansas City, whatever, gets a – they get a cheap touchdown, you're still you're still winning by three. So that's kind of how I see this game playing out. Love, love, love the chess match here of strength on strength and weakness on weakness and all the different things that are going on. And boy, we're, we're going to see what these two teams are made of for sure. All right, Matt. Real trends with an S or fake trends with a Z? Mahomes is 19-6-1 as an underdog against the spread or when he's a favorite of less than a field goal. Okay. Real or fake trend? Do you care? So you're just saying like he's good at he's good at toss up games. I mean, like he's good. At, I mean, like what was that? I mean, like what does that even? I mean, I don't even get cool. I guess I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, cool. Like whatever. He. You mean the best quarterback maybe of all time is good against like equal opponents? Shocker. Right. I mean, like I mean, it's just like that doesn't really blow me away. You know, I mean, it does. It that doesn't do anything for me. All right. Uh, so. I don't, I don't really care about trends, um, yeah. but I do care about getting an opportunity to buy Mahomes at less than a field goal, just on its face. I, I do think um, I just want to take a shot at that when the opportunity presents itself. 
Uh, last time we saw it was in the Super Bowl. I would argue they probably should have lost that game if not for Jalen Hurts fumbling the ball. But for this matchup, that's what matters most. Like we always emphasize here, don't worry about last year. Don't worry about, you know, over the course of his career. That stat just shows that Mahomes is a really good quarterback, right? Uh, but this matchup in particular, I think Adam's point about the Kansas City rush defense is well taken. In terms of rush EPA allowed, they are 31st in the NFL. Even if you take out some garbage time, they're still 31st. Now, in terms of rushing success rate, if you filter out the garbage time, they're actually 14th. So they've allowed some explosive runs, but down to down, they're still around league average. But this is obviously one of the more potent, dangerous rushing attacks they will face in the entire NFL. Is Miami's defense fixed now? They are still getting pressure at a very high above average rate without needing to blitz all that often. And Jalen Ramsey is back. Does it really matter against Kansas City's below average wide receivers when Mahomes is the quarterback? I'm not sure. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. The word is they're going to put him on Kelsey. Yep, that's where I was going with that. So the the word is they're going to put him on Kelsey because they don't care about the wide receivers. So they're basically going to say, hey, Mahomes, if you can beat us with their she rice and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, then by all means, go ahead and do that. But uh, the word is they're going to put him on Kelsey. That is interesting. That makes me like the underlook here that Adam mentioned even more. Um, We won't have weather conditions here. It's a retractable roof at Frankfurt Stadium. It is a brand new field that's never been used before. It's a, some type of hybrid turf that the NFL put in uh, last week after the players and coaches had a lot of complaints about traction when they used yes. the soccer field. Moongrass is what I heard. Yes. Uh, is that what you heard, Adam? Moongrass? They, 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 um, yeah. My sources on the ground actually tell me lunar moongrass. Oh, yeah. Okay. There, yes, there. Oh. there yeah. Wow. Very, very. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid of the lunar moon, uh, the lunar version of the moon moon itself. Yes. Yes. And and also grass. This is going to sound silly, but at least early in the game, see how the traction is for the players, because we've had issues like this in Arizona at times for both college and NFL games that have affected offenses and receivers being able to, you know, uh, change direction. So just keep an eye on it. Um, I'm going to buy the Chiefs here as basically a pick them, but I understand all the matchup situations here. I'm just going to back Mahomes, and if I lose, I'm okay with it. Adam? Well, I'm going to offer Matt a little bit of pushback on the idea of Kansas City with a blowout, and I want to see what he thinks about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that this Kansas City offense is a team that is capable of a blowout. I, I don't know that they have the... I don't know if they have, they have the ability against what is going to be a healthier Miami defense to do that. I do think the return of Jalen Ramsey means a lot because of the fact that it puts other pieces back in the right place. Like if you look at Xavier Howard's grades, and he is questionable to go this week, but if you look at Xavier Howard's grades, he needs to be against lesser receivers, which is where he's going to be this week if they go through the plan of Ramsey being on Kelsey. Jalen Phillips comes back last week, and even if you have that Philadelphia game in there in Miami's EPA stats over the last couple of weeks, there's still a league average defense when it comes to overall EPA against. So do, do you think that this Kansas City offense has the ability in that sort of tail script that you're talking about to be able to run it up on Miami? Yeah, well, I guess run it up is like a little... Uh, I shouldn't have maybe said blowout or something, but I mean, is a... 
you know, in my is a is a twenty three fourteen outcome, a twenty four seventeen outcome within the range of possibilities. Like I think it is right. Yeah. Which again, like I said, covers all alt numbers that you would ever play this up to, you know, or whatever. If you were trying to get like plus money or something like that on Kansas City, because again, it's like Miami just doesn't get their Miami just doesn't get it going on the offensive side, and Kansas City doesn't really either. But it doesn't matter, right? It's kind of like, whatever they put up twenty. They put up 23, they put up 20, even 21. I mean, a 20, a 21, 14 game is I think well within the range of outcomes here. You know, again, if Miami can't get it going on the offensive side of things, which I tend to think they're going to like, I I just, I, and that's not to say this game's going to be a track meet or anything. That's not what I'm saying to like poo poo y'all's underlooks. I'm saying like, I just think they will be able to move the ball. Like with the combination of how efficient they are running, how efficient they are passing and the play calling from McDaniel. I, I just have a hard time seeing them get completely stifled unless Tua is literally just under duress all day long. But so McDaniel's smart, right? He gets the ball out of his hand fast and like, he's going to yeah. call the plays that doesn't allow for that. So let me ask you this though. We got a total of 50 sitting on the board right now, right? Which means there's one realistic score at 27, 24, that gets us over that number without one of these teams scoring 30. Do you think either of these teams is scoring 30 in this game? Because I don't. That's where my handicap comes from. Right. No, I mean, not without any, like, the stuff we can't control, right? I'll say this. Right. The, Defensive the strip touchdown, sacks, special teams, the, whatever. Yeah, right. exactly. Yes. Yeah. I'll say this. Sacks, the, even, yeah. though, even though I bet the Chiefs, I would say the team more likely to score 30 is the Dolphins. I'll say that. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. No, no, for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, because if McDaniel has figured the defense out or if he has called all the good plays, like you know, like we like to say sometimes, then for sure. I think that the most yeah, likely it's scenario is just not how the Chiefs want to play. They're they're yeah. methodical now. And Mahomes Well, they're is they're relying on the defense, which they've never had to do before, but like they're 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 relying on the defense, which isn't a bad thing, but you know, there's Yeah. Andy Reid knows what he's got, dude. Like right. he's not dumb. He's like, We're not we're not winning shootouts with this team. You know, like he knows he knows what he's got. So it, I'll say one last thing. I'm not betting any props, but if if Ramsey's going to blanket Kelsey and Mahomes is still the quarterback, you're probably going to get decent prices on so many time touchdowns on the other guys in the in the Kansas City offense. Well, and, and let's let's play that out one step farther. What do we know that Patrick Mahomes will do if his guys are covered? Run. He will take off mm-hmm. and run. I think this Love could that. be a game. If if you truly believe Kelsey might be taken away in this game, if you play that idea, then play the idea of Mahomes over rushing yards. Awesome game. Awesome look. Interesting handicap. Can't wait to see this thing early in the morning. Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. This is three and a half to four in favor of the Falcons. 37, 37 and a half is the total out there. We are getting Taylor Heineke. For the Atlanta Falcons, but with that, just coming through, thank goodness we waited until we did. No Drake London for the Falcons in this game. He has been ruled out, and with that, that is a pretty interesting, kind of pretty interesting angle here in this one. Jaron Hall going to go for the Vikings in this one after losing Kirk Cousins for the season. Steven? I held my nose and put in a plus four and a half on the Vikings when it was at four and a half. Don't blame you. Um, it was mainly on the thing of this. Obviously I didn't know the Drake London stuff. I didn't know whatever. This was mainly on the fact that this Falcons offense is just not built to win at margin. And they don't know the identity 
of this team at all. And now they're trying to, now they're going to try to figure out the identity on the fly because they're switching quarterbacks. I mean, you go in and you look in, uh, you know, free plug here, but fantasylife.com, they have this utilization report and you can go in, you can dig into teams and how they, how they have like run personnel and also like Falcons are all over the freaking place, dude. Like they don't know whether they want to run how, how, where they want to line up Bijan. They don't know how many wide receivers they want to have on the field, where to put pits. Like this is like a work in progress. And now they're going to do the work in progress with a new quarterback. And so, uh, defense starting to regress a little bit towards the mean. And I just don't see this team winning in margin. I get the key number of three and the key ish number of four. So I took the plus four and a half here on the Vikings. Let me just start by saying, I will never bet Arthur Smith and the Falcons to win by more than a field goal in a game. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. And now you add Drake London out of the mix as if Art Smith's going to throw to him anymore. Any given week, right. he might only give him three targets. So, uh, But I'll just say I, I understand why you bet the Vikings despite the huge drop at quarterback. And I understand why the market moved from four and a half, five to now three and a half fours across the board. Makes sense to me. Um at this point, at this number, I'm not interested in getting involved with Minnesota just because of the complete unknown at quarterback. It seems like it'll be the fifth-round rookie, Jaron Hall, out of BYU. It wouldn't be the first time that Josh Dobbs went to a new team and played the same week he was traded there or signed there. So I guess that's still in the range of outcomes. I do think if you want to back Minnesota, you're getting the better head coach and the better coaching staff, at least offensively with Kevin O'Connell. And I think the Vikings defense has shown steady improvement since the first month of the season. So um, no bet for me, too many unknowns, but certainly would be Vikings or passive. I'm in some kind of like pick them pool where I got to pick every side. Yeah, Adam, uh, the other thing I guess I could throw in as far as the handicap here, just the Vikings defense, if you actually look over the last month is played much better actually i mean they're they're, they're stop they played... talking you're taking my angle go go <laughs> last four weeks they are number five in non-garbage time epa allowed wow. on defense and if you look at the fact that they had a new coordinator who had to adjust to new personnel who has a volatile system who tends to blitz a lot and he has sort of varied the blitz rate by week i think you see that it's starting to be a thing where it's not just brian flores blitzes all the time it's brian flores taylor's to game plan blitz and taylor heineke i would expect to be a quarterback that he tries to get after a little bit and speed him up especially if he when he does not have one of his best receivers available to him so i am with matt i have it at plus four i don't have the uh, best of that four and a half but uh I also think if you want to play Minnesota money line here, it's fair. You would probably need a little bit more confidence in Jaron Reed than I have, or if it's the sort of thing where maybe Jaron Reed starts and Hall. Josh Dobbs comes in at or Darren, sorry, sorry, Darren Hall. There, why am I? Saying here we go again with these new quarterbacks. That's the thing. Like yeah. they, we don't know who. It, it, it doesn't matter. No Hall, one would have it so anyway. yeah, Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall, thank you very much. Fifth round pick out of BYU. I know who the player is. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Minnesota is to me a team that is still going to be live for an NFC playoff spot by the time this is all said and done. Um, they're going to get Justin Jefferson back before too long here, and they're probably going to be starting Josh Dobbs. And the one thing we saw with Josh Dobbs in Arizona is 
even when they don't win games, they're competitive. So I think this week in particular, though, when you look at the fact that the Atlanta Falcons, as Matt said, don't really have a clear identity on offense and this Minnesota defense continues to play better. That's the side for me. They also uh, lost Grady Jarrett. It wasn't yeah. Drake London's out, but Grady Jarrett on defense is out, which is one of their better players. The other thing I want to throw in there, um, Adam, to kind of piggyback what you're saying, Vikings at DraftKings plus 240 to make the playoffs. The NFC oh. is a the NFC oh. is the NFC is a dumpster fire as far as like figuring out who's going to get those last couple of playoff spots. Well, and I, I think it's one spot. I, I th- I'm pretty safe in saying that one of the NFC East teams will be the five and probably Seattle or San Francisco, the six. So I think it's one spot they're chasing, in my opinion. But still, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but still, but right? see, it, yeah. it, I think what we're that see to me that plus two forty is too heavy on looking at the schedules in the NFC South. Because I think what's going to happen here is ultimately you're going to see New Orleans win that division. I think that has fairly clearly established itself at this point that that is the best team when healthy in the division. And plus 240 means you're going to stack Minnesota up against Atlanta, against Tampa Bay, and against Carolina. And as we're looking at the handicap here this week, Mm -hmm. we're saying that that's not going to happen. Plus, you factor in the potential injury for Matthew Stafford when it comes to the yep. thumb and that also takes the Rams and knocks them down a notch I like that then yeah, they better win this again. game by the way and get the tiebreaker over Atlanta tiebreaker could be huge here this week yeah it's a, a like I, the the Vikings are not going to lay down They're, they went and got Dobbs because they think that like hey right we're, we've already won four games so we're not going to get one of the super top picks anyway so we, we might as well go ahead and make the playoffs and get some of the extra cash so that's the way that they're going to go about it Seattle Seahawks on the road at the Baltimore Ravens. This has gotten to six universally across the board here. Uh, 44, 45, 44, 44 and a half is the total out there in the market right now. Adam, we know your boy going across country and joining the Seahawks and Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams with 22 quarterback pressures this year on a pretty bad defense. And so that lets you know big boys still got it there for Seattle. Of course, the Ravens look very, very mediocre last week by, after looking like world beaters the week before. Is six too much, or what do you think here in this one? I'm going to give you one little caveat on Leonard Williams, and I do think Leonard Williams is still a very good player. He accumulated those pressures right next to Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> and when you have one of the superstar defensive tackles in the league picking up double teams that he did, uh, I think that helps inflate the number a little bit for Leonard Williams. But in any case, still a very good addition for Seattle this to me is Seahawks or pass and for me it's pass I'll give you a short handicap on this I don't know who either of these teams are ultimately I think Seattle probably should have won at larger margin the last couple of weeks than it did I think Baltimore showed you last week that those 31 points were probably a little more than they should have had ultimately because they got some turnovers that created short fields and Arizona in the end actually had more yards than Baltimore by the time that game was over and done with um but i don't trust the spot here for seattle enough to play the six i'll pass i did i took it i took the six as the buy point it was sitting five five and a half i'm like yeah dead number not gonna do anything and then it got to six i was actually surprised i thought the six was gonna go away and instead the six is now universally available steven everybody buying in on Baltimore, I think that there is a little bit of a lack of respect for the Seattle defense in this one. I don't think that we're – I think the offense is probably correctly 
rated in the fact that, like, yes, they have a bunch of playmakers, but Geno Smith's going to make a couple of bonehead plays throughout the course of a game, and you just kind of have to deal with all of that. But I don't think the defense gets the credit that it deserves. It's a very good run defense. They have the number one rated quarterback in all the NFL in Witherspoon, and they actually get decent pressure on the quarterback as well without having to blitz. And now you bring in Leonard Williams who can help with that run defense, which is already really good. And maybe as Adam just pointed out, piggyback on some of those pressures that these guys are already getting as it is. If you make Baltimore one dimensional, I think Lamar is better as a passer for sure. But if you make him one dimensional where he has to pass with that ragtag group of receivers, I just don't know if it's good enough to win by touchdown. So if you're going to give me six points in a, in a situation like that, in a game script like that, and the way that it could play out, I'll take it. It makes sense to me. It, it does feel like a lot of points. Um, I think part of this is colored by them blowing out Detroit a couple of weeks ago because that spread was, I think, three, three and a half if I, off the top of my head. I think it was three. And I think all of us basically had the Lions and the Seahawks kind of in that tier, maybe Seahawks a tad below, but basically kind of in that tier. So to go from three to six, it seems like a lot, but the Ravens also kicked the crap out of them. Um, and one of the things I wanted to look at in this matchup was these quarterbacks against man and, and against zone. Now this Lamar Jackson has been, very strong this year against zone defense. He is number eight among all quarterbacks in completion percentage around 74% with a passer rating of 104. That, that ranks number six against zone defense this year. And the Seahawks play more zone defense than anybody in the NFL. According to PFF, they play 88% of their defensive snaps in zone. Now we flip to the other side with Gino. Even though the Ravens only play zone coverage at the 20 number 24 rank in the NFL. It's still 70% of the snaps. Like I think this goes by the way to why we've seen lower scoring a lot more zone defense, a lot more two deep safeties, but I digress. If he's facing 70% zone defense, Geno Smith against this, uh, against this Ravens defense, he is worse against zone than he is against man. And the split is stark against man defense this year. He's number one among all quarterbacks with a passer rating of 113. His passer rating against zone is 74 worst in the NFL, which got my attention, which is why I stayed off of Seattle plus six here. And I don't know. It's a lot of points, Matt. I get it. But just, I want to ask you your eye test watching Gino last few weeks. It's like they move the ball and then he makes a dumb mistake. Or, and yeah, throws you take the good with the bad. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, you, I, I just yeah, think he's average, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you just have to take the you have to take the good with the bad, right? And like the other thing, I guess that I do like from a plus six in particular territory is like, look, we're. I feel like with those offensive weapons, with everything that they have with Seattle, I don't know if we're ever truly dead, right? Like with the plus six. I, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN, Kenneth Walker, like any of these, like I, there, there's just a lot of different guys that can make splash plays and things like that. And so I feel a little bit more comfortable having a bunch of, po bunch of points in my pocket against, uh, against this team. So there's, there's that Adam, I, I guess to put a bow on this one, 
I thought there was some interesting stuff last week where they were kind of sleepwalking in that game. And then they said, like, we got back to the run game. And that's what really established, you know, us getting everything on track and, and getting things going. If, if that's kind of what they need to happen, again, like I said, it's, it's pretty underrated how good the Seattle run defense has been. Like, do you think that there is any concern with it, them having to go pass heavy here uh, against Seattle? I would say that I didn't have any concern at all unless I look at the fact that these Baltimore receivers have had a weird season where we've had games with an enormous amount of drops. Again, that is fluky. It is not necessarily repeatable, but it puts enough doubt into my mind when it comes to the Baltimore receiving core to say, I don't know. And that's what I've been saying about Baltimore's. I don't know. The more you look at that Lions game, the more you have to ask yourself the question of like, is that the peak for Baltimore, right? right? Is that game the absolute best they can do? Or is there more in there? I do think there's more in there, but we sure as hell didn't see it last week in Arizona in a situation where I think you probably should have. And that gave me enough pause on Baltimore to want to stay off this game. I make this game Baltimore four and a half. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the difference between four and a half and six is enough to take the six. But like I said before, it's Seahawks or pass. So I understand why you're on Seattle. Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. This is up to eight and a half. There is a nine even out there in the market in favor of the Saints. 41 is your total. It is going to be Tyson Bajant yet again for the Bears. Adam, that's a, it's a lot of points for, for the Saints to try and cover with this offense. If someone said they wanted to take the Bears eight and a half, I'm not going to talk them off of it as bad as the Bears have been. I just can't quite get there. I, I kind of want to, but I just have not been able able to. What say you here, Bears and Saints? Yeah, I mean, I, I was fairly confident in taking the eight and a half last week with the Bears against a bottom-rated Chargers defense, and then the game got so out of hand so quickly because the Chargers offense looked good that – yeah, the, the Bears were never really live in that game. And I think you're in exactly the same spot here this week with a New Orleans offense that has started to look a little more like the bull case that you could make for them. Derek Carr, three straight weeks of 300 plus yards. Rashid Shahid is finally getting the football. Uh, and you're looking at a guy who had 150 receiving yards last week. And when you take a guy who everybody probably thought was the number three receiver for the Saints coming into the season and see that he might well be 1B next to Chris Olave, you realize they might have far too many weapons for the Bears to be able to cover. So the point for me here is I think you're safe with a New Orleans teaser. Uh, I want to take New Orleans down under a field goal in this spot. I don't see the game script in which Seattle is, I mean, excuse me, in which Chicago is able to win this game. Uh, Tyson Bajant, is limited. We know this. We knew it against the Raiders, but you know, we see what a mess the Raiders are. So I think I saw a little bit of hesitation for you when I was talking about the, the Saints offense, though. And so I want I want to hear you play that out. No, it's just it there's just no consistency is more than anything. Right, right. That that that's my only deal. Like a lot of those yards come in either chase or like basically they're blowing a team out and they just kind of keep the foot on the gas because I think they don't necessarily trust hundred percent what they're doing right now and try to make sure that they can get in some sort of rhythm and get things going and, and all that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a pass for me, but I just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of points for, I think for this, for this saints team to cover. What do you, what do you see here, Steven? 
this point. I don't really care how they looked against Indianapolis. Over the second month of the season, Indianapolis ranks 27th in defensive EPA. Um, they have issues there, and they're 17th in success rate defensively. So believe it or not, the Bears have actually been top 10. Part of that's th – this is not schedule adjusted. The Bears have played a fairly easy schedule over the second month of the season, but I actually think the Bears have a better defense at this point than the Colts' defense. Um too many points, understand the teaser leg. It fits, gets through the seven and the three. But overall, it was a it was a pass for me because I have the same belief that you do. I can't trust the Saints week to week. The red zone issues that we had for much of the season disappeared the last couple of weeks because they started scoring from outside the red zone. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure how repeatable that is either. Um, if they actually get back in the red zone, we'll see. Maybe it maybe we get some variance, but it was a pass for me overall. Yeah, I know, man. It's like, like I said, I, I wanted, <laughs> I really did. Like I, I wanted, I wanted to take the points, can't get there and then can't lay it either. If so. Fields was playing, I probably would. I mean, we wouldn't get yeah. this many points, but I'd still probably take it. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the, another, another just great game for us to talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the Cleveland Browns. Hey, that's fun. This is out to eight and a half, nine as well in favor of the Browns. We get word as we were coming on here that it is going to be Deshaun Watson going for the Cleveland Browns. 38, 38 and a half is your total. We know it's going to be Clayton Toon going for the Arizona Cardinals. Guys, I put the Browns into the account as a teaser leg um, with, a, with one a little bit later. This was before the Deshaun Watson news. This was strictly based off of Clayton Tune, right? I mean, like, you're just going in. Uh, like, they didn't want you to play all year. Now you're getting thrown in for a one-week stopgap. There's no plays in the book for you. You don't – you've never taken a first-string snap in your life. Like, this this is just a bad spot against the Cleveland defense that's still at least playing all right. I don't know if it's a giant upgrade. As as the market is telling us, it's not because it was already at eight and a half, and now Deshaun Watson gets in as nine. So like Deshaun Watson, we're the half a point uh, in this thing right now. But uh, they moved it out of teaser territory in a lot of spots. So that's yeah, 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 it did, it did. There are a couple eight and a half still available out there uh, if you want to give it a whirl. Um, yeah. So what are we looking at here, guy? I, I just uh, another game in which it, it seems like an obvious teaser. Like outside of that, there's no. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, what the hell is a Clayton tune? We, you know, we have no idea. Uh, yeah. Um, it's not guaranteed to be Clayton tune. So that's why I don't have a, a play on this. Um, Jonathan Gannon has already said he'll make the decision in the next 24 hours. So he's still leaving Kyler Murray in the discussion. So that's enough for me to leave it alone for now. Um, I understand playing Cleveland as a teaser. I have no problem playing Cleveland as a teaser. Um, I have no idea what you're going to get out of uh, out of Deshaun Watson. Um, it's going to be better than what you got from P.J. Walker, but Cleveland somehow managed to win two games and be in a position to win a third with P.J. Walker as the quarterback. So um, I, I think Deshaun Watson has the potential to be a net negative for the Cleveland Browns. Um, that being said, does Arizona have the ability against this Cleveland defense to go on the road and win a game with Clayton Toon or with Kyler Murray? highly questionable but the existence of kyler murray as a possibility at least on friday afternoon is enough for me to say i would wait to play this thing to confirm for sure that kyler murray isn't going to be in yeah the stuff that gannon said like makes me to believe that yeah that was my question do you believe him adam like no no i mean it, like i don't i, I, I mean i don't need to believe him for the purpose of saying do i want to wager on it right now right yeah. it just creates yeah, uncertainty sure. 
That's yeah, I, I I guess for me it's it's like a read between the lines type thing that like we've got to make sure we're doing the thing that's best for the team and the thing that's best for Kyler. Um, it's you know starting on the road against the put Browns it this defense. Way, the, put it this way. Uh, right, At this I mean, point, you know, Friday afternoon, the market doesn't believe them. Yeah. Because um, this is a so, tune number, not a yeah. not an in between number. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm just reading between the lines here. It's they need to lose this game. I mean, like let's, let's be for real. Like they need to lose this game. Like th- this is not a you don't want to go sneak. You you don't want to go mess around and and win this game. Like it, he, what's best for the team, aka what's best for the organization, is to go ahead and get another loss in the column, and then you can bring him back next but week. I, but, I'll yeah. say this though, Matt. That, like I don't think the head coach thinks that way. Like I think the front office thinks that way, which is probably yeah. You don't why think I, the front office is telling him what to do. Yeah, no, I think the front office has final say on whether he gets activated. I absolutely believe that. But once the game starts, I don't think, like, the coach is actively trying to lose the game. I don't think that. No, 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 no. But, like, you can make decisions that assist you along the way. And the assistant – and the the decision would be not putting Kyler Murray in the the line. Coming off off an injury on the road in Cleveland – not exactly the softest landing spot yeah. when you have a game next week, I believe, against Atlanta, uh, which would be a lot easier. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Matt. I As we record right now, it doesn't help anybody because we're sitting at nine. But if there was to be some buyback on Arizona, we get back to eight and a half. Then, yeah, I am comfortable with the teaser leg, even though I it is quite I agree with Adam. It is possible that Watson still is is not an upgrade. The way I kind of view it is like if you want to hear my opinion of PJ Walker, like go back to last week and you know how bad he's been over the past exactly. three seasons. And it's the same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. The same but thing. Yeah, I, I don't think Watson has a bigger ceiling, but I do think he's got a higher floor. Um, so I think he's a little safer. And against Clayton Toon, we we've talked about being weary of teasers when you're not sure the points you're getting are valuable. We haven't seen Clayton Toon. But I know Arizona saw him the entire summer, the entire training camp, and the entire preseason, and then decided to trade for a quarterback a week before yeah. week one and put him in to start right away. So we know what they think of Clayton Toon at this point, and it's not very highly of him. So um, it's a we can't do anything now because we're at nine, but if you see this later on in the weekend and you're back to eight and a half, you get back into teaser territory, I do have some teasers down to two and a half on the Browns. Yeah, it's just... Again, Mary Kay Cabot has usually been one of the very best uh, beat reporters out there. It's been, look, she's, I can't really blame it on her. This whole Deshaun Watson thing has been terrible. And so she's been wrong so many times, but she said she was out of practice. He looked like he was healthy. Talked to him afterwards, said the shoulder feels good. I, I mean, what, what can we, you know, I don't know. What, what, what can we take from that? I, I don't really know, but um, that's, that's kind of the word coming out of Cleveland anyway. Tampa Bay Bucks and the Houston Texans. This is an expensive two and a half or a cheap three in favor of the Texans. 40 is the total across the board. Steven, uh, no play for me on this one. Don't want to get involved in really any way, shape, or form. Um, I think the Bucks did the, outside of just the commentary that I think the Bucks did their whole franchise a disservice by not moving some pieces off this team and trying to actually rebuild um that's more sports talk radio than it is betting for anything so um number seems about right to me texans looks like pierce is not going to play which i think is probably better for them because for whatever reason they tried to run the ball so much last week it's just kind of like 
what are you doing? Let, let Stroud pass. And like, uh, you're, you're not good at running the balls. It is anyway, like just pass the ball. So uh, seems about right to me. I don't, I don't have a play on this thing. Well, you're not going to run it in this game against the Bucks defense either. That's like yeah. the one aspect of this game where the defense is actually very above average. They're top five and stopping the run by EPA and success rate. So um, looking at the metrics of these two teams, they're, it's eerie how I, how close to identical they are like across the board, even Baker versus Stroud as much ink as Stroud has gotten to start his career at this point, two months in these teams are almost mirror images of each other. And if you look at closing lines over the past few weeks, I, I can't justify the bucks being three point dogs in this game, even on the road, Um, even against Atlanta, one of their common opponents, if you strip out home field, it's basically implying that these two teams should be very close to a pick them on a neutral field. So I think there's two ways you can play this. And I opted for the teaser leg on Tampa Bay uh, because the book that had reasonably priced teasers still had them at two and a half. Mm-hmm. So I took them up to eight and a half with the Browns as the other leg. But I also wouldn't blame anybody for just betting the bucks straight up at plus three, even if you have to pay like minus 115 for it. So I just don't see anything in the resumes of these two teams uh, that should justify the Texans being a three-point favorite in this game. Adam, it looks like Baker maybe has regressed a little bit from the beginning of the season, but maybe it was just he was – I don't know if maybe it wasn't even regression. Maybe it was just like, hey, look, we thought that he was (laughs) – we thought that he was going to be complete garbage and he wasn't complete garbage. And so we we're just kind of, Hey, look at this. He's playing really well, but that maybe that's not exactly what was going on here. Uh, Texans as an expensive two and a half or a cheap three. What say you? I don't think Baker has regressed to the point where we look at him as Baker who came in off the street for the Rams and beat the Raiders last year. Right. I mean, he's still been pretty good overall. Um, I'll pass on it. If I were to play it, my numbers would say to play Tampa. Um, that being said, you're asking me to play Baker Mayfield and whatever confidence I would still have in Baker Mayfield on the road as an underdog. And so, uh, I I don't necessarily have that level of confidence, uh, liked Carolina last week against Houston. I think that was correct. Uh, but now you're bringing Houston back home. Uh, against a potentially gettable pass defense in the Bucks, um, there's just enough uncertainty here that I'll take a pass on it. Extra yeah. rest too for Tampa. Yeah, yeah, there, there is all of that. I, I just can't shake, and the reason I can't get to tell, I, I can't shake the fact that I think the injury to Pierce, and then what they learned last week, might, and the fact that you can't run on the Bucks efficiently, almost works in the Texans' favor to be more efficient with their play calling and like actually play better so i don't know i just i I can't quite get there on that one washington commanders and the new england patriots i did get here on this one unfortunately numbers no longer available it is two and a half or three out there on the patriots 40 and a half to 41 adam i tucked a i held my nose and tucked a three and a half in my account on the commanders and uh i don't i don't hate it um numbers gone now and honestly if you want the three you might need to move because it seems like money is coming in here on the commies. Yeah, it's Washington. Um, I just don't necessarily understand how we were ever at three and a half on New England when 
the best we've seen out of New England is sort of a real tail case game against the Buffalo Bills. And then they came right back to being the same New England Patriots that we've seen after that. And I think uh, I need to give credit to Judah Fortgang from Pro Football Focus for this. Sam Howell was not sacked last week, which is kind of remarkable to say, right? Because that has been the biggest problem for Sam Howell. And he looked into it a little bit and saw that Washington changed its protections up a little bit. Uh, They are actually keeping more guys in to be able to protect Sam Howell and just trusting that they're very good receivers who, P.S., are very good receivers are going to be out there and going to be able to win one-on-one. Like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson are very good receivers and they are doing things that very good receivers do. So um, I don't know that if I play this, I would want to play Washington three. Uh, I think I would want to play Moneyline. If you believe that Washington's going to win this game, then you believe that, that I should say, if you believe that the Washington offense is going to be better, then you believe Washington's going to win this game. I, I don't see where you're trying to eke out some sort of a 20 to 17 and hoping that the three covers you, right? Like at the point where it's a three on Washington, not the three and a half that Matt has, why would you not play Moneyline? Why would you not even push this out to Washington minus two and a half if you think that mm. the that the commanders are, are going to win this game. So overall, I think what what we see from the Washington offense that looks better, according to the information from PFF about the protections for Sam Howell, is probably repeatable again this week against the New England defense that even in the one game that they won recently in the last month, the defense didn't play well. Yeah, Stephen, um, here's the thing. I think a lot of people look at this and they go, well, they traded away Young and Sweat, and so that's why, you know, maybe we should come in uh, on the Patriots side of things. Well, here's a little secret about it. The Washington defense wasn't playing good anyway, right? So, like, your handicap should never – the handicap should never have started with, like, oh, the Washington defense against the Patriots. Like, that should never have been part of your handicap anyway. I think the commanders can just outscore the Patriots if we're being perfectly honest. Like I, I don't, I, I just, if you look how bad the Patriots offense is, how inefficient they are. And like Adam just, and Adam just mentioned the, the play calling differences and all the things that the commanders have done. And, and look, I can be wrong about someone. I thought Sam Howell was going to stink out loud and he's been aight so far this year. Um, I think they outscore the Patriots. So, uh, you know, getting points at all or playing it like an alt, like Adam just said on Washington is all, everything's all fine with me. This game is the poster child for why we have a discord channel, why we have a second NFL show that airs on our podcast feed on YouTube earlier in the week with Eli and Mo, because if you wait until the weekend, There's going to be a lot of games where you're just not getting the number that you need anymore. And this game was that this week because it wasn't just you guys taking Washington at three and a half. I took it at three and a half, put it in the discord. Eli and Mo took Washington at three and a half and shared it on their show. That line just was the line that made no sense the entire week. And I thought it was absolutely a complete overreaction to them trading Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Everything you said about the offense for New England is totally true. And oh, by the way, they lost Kendrick Bourne, like the one silver lining of their offense. He's gone now for the rest of the season. He tore his ACL, I think, last week. So, And if you look at quarterback versus quarterback, despite the fact that Hal's taken all those sacks, love the potential upgrade here to the protection. Great to hear that. But even before that, Hal's metrics across the board have been better than Mac Jones this year. So... I'm getting the better offense and I'm getting a field goal 
sounds good to me. Don't care if it's on the road. I don't care about the the narrative that has been bandied about on sports betting Twitter about Bill Belichick and rookie quarterbacks. He actually had a functional NFL offense in a lot of those games when he faced rookie quarterbacks. He doesn't have a functional NFL offense at this point, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, it makes makes a ton of sense to me. If you hear this on Sunday and it's at two and a half, then I think Washington is a, a great teaser leg at that point, too. I do, too. I think it's a fine. I think it's a fine teaser leg. You you show you show me an, a, a decent amount of outcomes in which the Patriots win at margin and I will. I will be very, very surprised. So that would be, that would surprise me a ton. Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers. This is three, an expensive three in favor of the Packers. 38 and a half is your total. Steven, we get the Brett Rippon experience for the Rams. And uh, we also continue to get the Jordan Love experience for the Packers because guess what? He does stink out loud. He has been a horrible so far this year and I really should have pulled the trigger when this was on the other side of the three with the Rams I didn't do it now it's gone I have to sit here and hate myself that I didn't uh I don't I don't think so man it's still Brett Rippon I mean I know what you're saying but it's still Brett Rippon they Jair Alexander has not been good this year they moved Rasul Douglas out of town like like I don't think I, I think with Cup and with Nakua and what like I, I think the Rams can move the ball against this Packers team. And then what have they shown you on the offensive side that would give you any signs that they can win a game by by margin, like more than a field goal? Like, I don't know. I at three and a half, I should have played the Rams. I didn't. What say you? Yeah, I, I understand the logic for me. You know me, I, I I spray the board some weeks and I just I just decided not to. There are enough other games that I like this week where um, I didn't want to back ripping, but I, I hear you. It would be Rams or pass at these numbers 100% because I don't know how, like Jordan Love is 39th out of 41 quarterbacks this year in EPA and CPOE composite. His completion percentage over expected is negative 10.9. So he's supposed to have, based on receiver separation and play calling, he should have about a 66% completion percentage this year, and he's sitting at 55.4. On top of that, just down-to-down success rate for Jordan Love, 38th out of 41 quarterbacks, less than 40% success rate this year. And you're going to make him a three-point favorite against anybody at this point? Like That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I stopped short because it is Brett Rippon on the other side, and it's just a complete unknown, uh, but... Let's just say Jordan Love gets an early score or something in this game, and we can somehow get—I don't know what—I don't know if we'd ever get seven on the live line, but if we ever got that on a live, like, I'd be in on the Rams at that point. That's for sure. Adam, which we look, what, what are you looking at here in this one? Looking at bad football. How about that? Yeah, well, seriously, look at, I'm looking looking at uh, looking at a football game that I don't want to watch. I'm looking at a football game that I don't want to bet. Um, I made an adjustment for either, and let's be clear about this, either an injured Stafford or uh, or Brett Rippon in this game. And even after my adjustment, I still have the Rams as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow. Um, wow. Now, I don't want to play it. I, I don't. I was wrong yeah. on Green Bay, period. Early this year, I was wrong on Green Bay. Uh, Jordan Love doesn't have it. Um, 
don't buy, don't buy Brian Gutekunst saying these next 10 games will be really important for Jordan Love. They've already made their decision. They're moving on from Jordan Love. And yeah. that's why they're showing you that they don't have any confidence in them playing well the rest of the year by trading Russell Douglas. They're, they're done. They're, they're admitting they're done. So to be able to take the Rams, though, plus the three on the road, I would just have to have some idea what I'm going to be able to get out of either side of the ball. And what I saw out of the Rams last week was that a team that was able to get an early pick six against Matthew Stafford was able to run out to a 24-point lead almost immediately on them. And that kind of shook me a little bit on the Rams overall because I thought fundamentally the Rams were a better team than that. And clearly they were not against Dallas. So pass. Yeah, it's just a... I don't know how you, I don't know how you back the Packers at this point though. And, and it's laying any points with the Packers right now seems like a a risky, risky business given how they have looked out there on the field. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to one thousand fifty dollars at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PlayBonus50, and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PlayBonus50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to one thousand fifty dollars after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer. Twenty-one years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Indianapolis Colts and the Carolina Panthers. This is two and a half in favor of the Colts on the road at Carolina. 43 and a half, 244 is your total. Fellas, I told you that I had a Browns teaser leg in the account. This is the other side of it, up to eight and a half on the Panthers. I do not have any faith in this Colts offense to win at margin with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Gardner Minshew, I don't think the defensive coordinators guys have are going to come out and say it because they shouldn't, because it is it is something that all of them should should keep to themselves, but they have figured something out with Gardner. Like, like every one of these defenses now, like has him played perfectly. Like they, he has some sort of tendency, has some sort of tell. There's something going on that they've been able to figure out. And he has looked like garbage now that they've been able to prep for him as they've headed into these games and stuff. And so uh, he's going to turn it over at least once, maybe even twice in this thing, keeping it within eight, within eight and a half with the Panthers. So I think you're going to run a little bit more efficient offense moving forward here. They did get a season high in snaps and routes run for Mingo, which I think is also good for them because they need to get like these more explosive guys. They don't need Bryce Young to just check it down to Adam Thielen every single time. And so I, I think that they're trending in the right direction with all of this. And let's not, let's not forget the Colts defense is just 
also terrible. Can't do anything there uh, with that one. Adam, what do you say here, Colts and Panthers? Right now, you have to pick one of two offenses. Do you want Houston or do you want Indianapolis? I would take Houston. Houston. Stroud. We're all taking Houston, correct? Yeah. And we just we just watched what Ajiro Evero, the defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, did to C.J. Stroud in the Houston offense, right? We yeah. just saw them get held to 13 points. So don't be fooled with this Carolina defense into thinking that they're as bad as the numbers say they are. Because let's look at where the bad numbers got run up against this defense. Miami, 42 points. And that was in Miami. At Detroit, 42 points. At Seattle, 37 points. All offenses that we know are capable of running up significant numbers. And by the way, the Carolina defense has been hurt quite a bit this year. So if you want to tell me that you have a team in Carolina in which you have a top-level defensive coordinator, and you have a defense that has at least been able to be competitive even when the offense has given them absolutely nothing to work with on the other side, then I will go right along with Matt and take the teaser leg to eight and a half because I can't bring myself to play Carolina on the money line because of the fact that this offense still, even after a bye, even after a play caller change, really didn't look great. So... I think the teaser leg makes a lot of sense because of the fact that Gardner Minshew alone adds in enough variance against a good defensive coordinator to feel like Indianapolis can't win this by more than a score. What you got in this one there, Steven? I got the teaser leg too. And I paired it with the Browns it's right there with you. Um, if Since week five, when Gardner Minshew took over as bad as the Panthers have been, Bryce Young ranks higher than Minshew. In completion percentage over expected. He, in fact, he has a positive CPOE where Minshew has a negative. He also ranks higher in success rate. To your point, Adam, about the Carolina defense last week against Houston, on the week, Carolina ranked ninth in defensive success rate allowed. Uh, so big improvements there. I'm, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I can't see a high-scoring game here, and you give me the home dog with the better quarterback out beyond a touchdown on a teaser leg. Just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and listen, to be fair, Bryce Young, the last few games, it seems like it's starting to slow down for him a little bit. It seems like the game, he struggled a bit at first. It seems like the game is coming to him a little bit more now as well. So uh, I'll go ahead and ride that angle too. Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, a hell of a game in this one. It is three in favor of the Eagles, 46 and a half to 47 is the total. Steven, I am chomping at the bit to watch this thing. I have no bet in my account and probably won't. So that is kind of my opinion of it's everything seems perfectly in line. The total seems perfectly in line. The line seems perfectly in line. Like there is absolutely nothing about this game that compels me to come in on, on either side. So based on kind of consensus market ratings, I think I agree with you. Um, I think we're right about where the spread should be based on that. However, digging in to these two teams over the past month or so, I see some red flags with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
since week four, I don't recognize this offense from what we've grown accustomed to last year when they were mauling people at the line of scrimmage. If you filter out garbage time, this rushing offense for the Eagles is outside the top 20 in rush EPA and success rate. That is mind-boggling to me after this rushing offense was better than all but six teams passing offenses last year by EPA. And despite that, they have been throwing the ball pretty well. They are number two in that span in dropback EPA. However, the defenses they faced in that span were the Commanders twice, the Rams, and a very injured Miami secondary. So I'm not sure how much I can take away from that, and I don't think that's how they want to play offense. I think Jalen Hurts has at least – I don't. it's not going to keep him out of the game, but the knee injury is at least affecting him enough where he's not getting the same number of design runs and scrambles. He only ran four times against Washington – it was so sensitive about it at the press conference that he walked out of the press conference this week when he was pressed and asked about the knee injury. Flip over to the Dallas defense. I think the blowout loss to the 49ers is skewing their metrics at this point. They are top 10 in the two games since then. They are top five in many other aspects. And overall in the season, they are still number three by EPA defensively and number five by dropback success rate despite getting their ass kicked by San Francisco in that game. The Dallas offense now, despite getting their asses kicked by the 49ers in that game, are still top 10 overall in the season by EPA and success rate. Drop back EPA and success rate also very high despite that game. So I think that game is pulling them down a little bit more and maybe clouding our vision of what this Cowboys team is at this point. I think the Cowboys are getting the Eagles at the right time. And I think if I'm getting three points, I'm pretty happy with that. Eli and Mo agree with me on our sister show. We're all in on, on Cowboys plus three this week. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, no Tyron Smith, most likely. Um, that could be a reason you wouldn't want to go in, in that direction. Um, I would say also a very odd usage of in the run game right now, which I don't think that any lead is ever safe um, because I don't like the way it, it, there's really no way that they can kind of protect a lead with the offense that they have right now. They kind of have to keep it full bore in order for this thing to work. I don't know if you guys saw but So Tony Pollard is, is getting less and, and, and less usage in this offense. And I think it's because he's either hurt or he's breaking down because he's a smaller dude that they tried to make a bell cow back somewhere along the way. But all of the stuff that we loved about Tony Pollard and maybe even this injury thing like made him a little bit less explosive, but everything that we liked Adam about Tony Pollard, the, you know, there are 52 running backs with at least 35 carries and Pollard is 39th in 10 yard runs, like 39th out of 52 with at least 35 carries. And I think a lot of that stuff with him is just either he's wearing down, there's some sort of secret injury, or he lost some of that explosiveness after he got, after he suffered a major injury. And so I don't know how the, I don't know if a lead is really ever safe with Dallas. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with, with Dallas here. I don't buy Dallas for a second. I haven't bought Dallas all year. I'm not going to start buying Dallas now. Um, they've played absolutely no one. And the one time that they did play a reasonable opponent this year, they got boat raced. And that's not going to get me to believe in Dallas going into one of the most hostile environments in all of the NFL 
to take on a team that, whether Jalen Hurts is fully healthy or not, this is the best team in the league in terms of combined offensive and defensive lines, right? In the trenches, where the Cowboys tend to have the biggest advantage when they take uh, when they take their uh, top four guys in pass rush, when they use that when healthy offensive line to dominate games, they don't have that edge in this game. Um, I'll take Jalen Hurts even at 80% over Dak Prescott. I'll take A.J. Brown over C.D. Lamb. I'll take Devontae Smith as a number two. I'll take the Eagles overall as a team. Now, that being said, all of that being said, I think this number is correct. I make it Philly two and a half, and then when I add an extra half point for what I think this home field advantage is, I make it Philly three. And so on the number, I don't want anything to do with it, but I'll give you this. If you are a believer in the Dallas offense, right? If you think that they're going to be able to throw the ball against Philly, because a lot of teams have been able to throw the ball against Philly this year, then I think you probably have to look at over 47. I'm not playing it. I'll make that clear. Mm -hmm. But this year, here's what the Philadelphia offense has done. 25-34, 25-34 in overtime. 23 road game against the Rams. 14, and that was a game in which Jalen Hurts turned the ball over three times against an elite New York Jets defense, 31 against Miami, 38 against Washington. I think Philadelphia is going to do its part on the offensive side of the ball. If you buy the Dallas offense, then I think the the way in is to look at over in this game. Other than that, I'll stay out. Can I can I give a counterpoint here? Just to, Yeah, no, absolutely. The other side of the argument here. What defenses have the Eagles offense played this year? Minnesota, Tampa Bay, New England, Washington twice, the Rams. They played a good defense in the Jets, and they looked miserable. And that, that's one point I'd make. The second is just a matchup thing here. CeeDee Lamb, I think, is going to eat in this game. The Eagles' defensive issues... First of all, Slay and Bradbury on the outside. Eli documented this very much so in his betting column this week, so you can go check it out. Slay and Bradbury have taken a big step back from last year. They're not playing as well. On top of that, the middle of the Eagles' defense is where they are weakest. They lost a lot of pieces there coming into this year. C.D. Lamb is lining up in the slot about 30 times per game. He's had two games with 46 slot snaps. That's according to one of the fantasy sites out there, FNF. And no team has allowed more receiving yards to the slot this season than the Philadelphia Eagles. So even if you can't get there on Cowboys to cover the three, I think Lamb overs in this game is a really solid look. I think he might be in for a monster game. Okay, so then your second point is actually arguing for CeeDee Lamb overs as opposed to the Cowboys, which I I can get behind that. I I think that's fair. Um, To your first point about who they've played, they played a fully healthy uh, New England defense, and uh, that was one of the better defenses that we saw when they were actually healthy. Uh, Minnesota, Tampa, Miami. By, by the way, the, they they lost yards. Do, do I get to, do I get do I get to finish my point because I didn't cut you off while you were talking? I okay. apologize. So right. great. Um, so the the defenses they've played have all been league average type defenses, right? The, the ones that they have played where they have uh, maybe been aided by that defense, I think were the games against Washington and maybe a little bit against the Rams, but definitely against Washington, who we know is a terrible defense. And sir, I give you the floor. In the new England game, 
the Patriots offense couldn't do their part. The Eagles lost yards per play. They only had 4.1 yards per play in that game. And by yards per play basis, it was significant. It was 0.8 difference between them. Um, so I don't think the offense played well in what would probably be the second best defense they faced this year. The other being the Jets. I'm not saying that they they played well. I mean, we're we're kind of reframing the argument here. Like the argument that I was making was more about Dallas and the quality of the opponents that it's played. And I think if you look across the board at the opponents that both of these teams have played, we would we would say that Philadelphia overall has played a tougher schedule than Dallas has. I think that's fair. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, so it's it's week number two of Kevin Byard being in the lineup as well. Does that help out the secondary? We'll see. Who knows? Um, It's a pretty fascinating game because it is kind of a in my opinion, it is a pretty much prove it game for both of these teams because like there's there there are warts to be kind of picked on with with both of these teams for sure. And if you buy into the oh, Jalen Hurts is hurt angle, then you know, I could see why you would take the three with the Cowboys, right? Like, I'm not going to go there as far as like, oh, that is going to be a a massive difference. They literally have only the the tush push has only not worked one time in all season long. So like, they're 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 batting 95 percent on it or whatever inside one yards, and so it's you know it's good enough for that still work. I, I don't know. I, I'm. I think people are like reading people like to read a lot into certain things and maybe things just change and evolve because of necessity. Maybe sometimes it's just because of scheme change and things. And so, I mean, like, listen, do you want Jalen Hurts running the ball seven yards and taking massive hits? Or do you want him throwing to arguably a top three receiver in the entire NFL and AJ Brown? By the way, that guy is a dude like, you know, so like maybe maybe it's not so much like, oh, he's got this hidden injury. And it's like, hey, let's not take all these freaking hits because, by the way, we missed you down the stretch last year whenever you were hurt and had to miss the the last few games of the season and instead throw it to these ridiculous studs that you've got. So, again, I'm not saying that that is the case. I'm just saying I think we read a lot into some of this stuff where sometimes we're just assuming things as opposed to like, ah, maybe there's just a maybe there's just a scheme change. Maybe there's more of a long term goal with all of this, you know, so just just another point in all of it. Uh, all right, New York Giants and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, this is a point and a half in favor of the Raiders. Raiders go out, clean house, coach gone, offensive coordinator gone, GM gone. They're Jimmy Garoppolo benched. It's Aiden O'Connell now. Giants get Daniel Daniel Jones back in this one. Do not have Darren Waller back in this one. Adam, if we look at this, there is a case to be made for the Giants but I am scared to death to push the button for the giants <laughs> and put them into the account. So I don't know, man. It's like, there's, there are so many reasons to play the giants in this game. And yet I can't do it. Why can't I do it? Because you watched the giants blow a lead in spectacular fashion to the jets at the end of the game last week because you watched when the Giants had every advantage thrown their way in the game at Buffalo and found a way to lose that game because their best offensive weapon is not going to play in this game because his hamstring, shocker, is injured. Uh, All of those things are reasons. I think you're probably also rightfully 
a little bit scared of the narrative around the Raiders here and the idea that this team hated Josh McDaniels so much that they're going to come out here with their hair on fire and their their everything swinging free this week and feel like they have been all things on fire. (laughs) It's all everything is on fire and is going to catch is going to catch they're the going to go jump in the torch on the concourse and then come onto the field I love yes it. the al da- the al davis flame is where all giants will be sacrificed uh this week now i mean look this game has been pushed down to 37 already i'm gonna tell you i still think the under is bettable at 37 because of this They can be as on fire as they want. And they were on fire defensively last week against the Detroit Lions, right? It's the only reason that game stayed at all close, given that that they were almost tripled in yardage. Um, That is what I would worry about here in terms of the Giants. They can't score. No matter what, they can't score. I don't care if it's Daniel Jones. I don't care if it's Terod Taylor. I don't care if it's Tommy DeVito, Danny DeVito, Bobby DeVito, Sid DeVito, anybody you want to throw out there. It doesn't matter. They had minus nine passing yards last week. Uh, and, and that is one of the worst stats you'll ever see. But the, th- the counter on the Raiders is, no matter how on fire they are, Aiden O'Connell, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, they have not topped 20 offensive points this season. And that's not just McDaniels, and that's not just Mick Lombardi. Because now, Bo Hardigree? Yes, in case you didn't know who's going to be calling plays for the Raiders this <laughs> week. His name is Bo Hardigree, and you know who he came from? Adam Gaze. So if you're looking for a major improvement in the Raiders offense, I wouldn't say you're necessarily going to get it this week just because you've got Aiden O'Connell in the game, because the one thing you can say about the Giants is that the defense has actually played pretty well over the last couple of weeks. Now, again, they traded Leonard Williams, as Matt pointed out earlier in the show. So if you want to tease the Giants in a game with a 37 total, then tease the Giants because system wise. It makes perfect sense. I don't think the Raiders are beating anybody at margin. The thing that holds me off doing it is that I'm not convinced the Giants score more than seven points this week. I I, I don't necessarily think that this Raiders defense got exposed last week Mm -hmm. against the Detroit Lions because the Detroit Lions are an elite offense and they were able to, you know, show up representatively for a team that gave up 500 yards. Uh, unfortunately guys, if you're watching this a little bit later, uh, you're not going to get teaser leg on the Browns report comes through now. Kyler Murray threw to practice squad receivers today while Clayton Toon and Jeff Driscoll threw to the starters in practice. And that has now got this out to 10 in favor of the Browns. Um, so we have missed that, uh, we have missed that teaser leg in that one. So it looks like it is going to be Clayton Toon going for the Cardinals in that one. Um, Steven, if we, if we look at this game, I mean, <laughs> you don't know what else to say about listen, this. Awful listen, do we game. have to look at this game? We don't listen, have to. You dude, can watch another game. I know we don't talk about a ton of, pro- listen, I know we don't talk about a ton of props and I know we've joked about it here on the, on the podcast, like a, yeah. a bunch of times, but it was like, talked about on the game last week they show the slamming of the helmet Devontae Adams is ready to get on a plane and get the hell out of town his receptions prop is plus money at six and a half now I understand there has to be some sort of efficiency there to get to seven catches but if I, I and I'm being dead serious guys like if I could bet targets 
if he does not have a dozen targets in this game, it would shock me. Like, I mean, like legitimately shock me. And if he has 15 targets, it would, again, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. So again, it's plus money on the over six and a half receptions. It would blow me away if they did not try to make him happy in all of this. Adam, as you mentioned, they clean house, they do whatever. What does an interim coach care? He just wants the guys to like him, right? He just wants everyone to feel good about the last week. Let's feed our hoss. Like, let's just make sure that he's getting, you know, super high percentage throws his way and stuff. So, again, just I know that's narrative street and I know whatever, but it would blow me away if he didn't get 12 targets this week. My light is turning off because even my light is tired about talking <laughs> about this shitty game. Uh, so I like the Adams angle. We've actually talked about this a couple times this year, and it's made sense in the games where uh, Jimmy G's not playing, right? So the the other Aiden O'Connell game earlier this year, AOC fed him 13 targets in that game against the Chargers for eight receptions. Uh, the other game where Hoyer started against the Bears, Adams got 12 targets. Jimmy G hits the bench. O'Connell's back in. I yeah, I agree with you. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get double digit targets here. And, you know, I've been kind of toying around just here and there on some, some ladders, some alternate mm. props. I, I, I'm still going to say the same thing I said a few weeks ago when we talked about Adams props, I don't want to do alt yardages just because it's a crappy quarterback and I don't trust them to connect deep. But if the targets are going to be there, I'm feeling pretty safe about receptions. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I'd be looking for some alternate receptions in this game. I bet Giants plus three and a half very early before the Monday night game where they that's lost a good to the number. Lions. It's that's a great a number. number, but mm-hmm. like I still don't feel good about it. And by the way, Adam, you forgot the, the best veto of all, and I got a DeVito baby. And I'm not sure I good enough. You gotta all be right. an older soul for that one. Uh I don't feel I still don't feel great about the plus three and a half as good of a number it is. And I'm kind of debating just doing a little bit of a middle on Raiders money line here, to be honest with you, because I think Max Crosby might tear Daniel Jones head off in this game. I just think there's well, a ton of carnage potentially here. I, I, I'm glad that we're on this game because guess what just came through the official injury report. And Adam, I'm glad you're sitting down. Andrew Thomas is actually listed as questionable. And, 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 and was Will told help? and was said he feels good. Oh, wow. So what okay. do you think about um, that? I think that Max Crosby often lines up on the other side of the line. <laughs> and I think that that's not necessarily <laughs> something that I would, uh, necessarily something that I would worry about, um, you know, if I were a Raiders fan, cause Max Crosby, you know, often lines up over the right tackle. The, uh, Evan Neal, questionable. Andrew Thomas, questionable. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, not even on the injury report. Yeah, Evan Neal is questionable when he gets off the bus, okay? He's questionable whether he wears a uniform or not. (laughs) Would you try, if you were me and you had Giants plus three and a half, would you try and middle this and just take some? No, leave it. I I, I think, leave it. No, no, I would not. No, no, that's. If we're going to talk about, all right, let's go back to the very beginning of this process, uh, the uh, podcast and talk about process. That's a good process bet. Right, like you, you are you are on a solid process bet to take a team that is getting three and a half points against an offense that hasn't scored twenty this year. That's true. Yeah. I just I just don't think I still think the Giants should be rated below the Raiders at this point. 
And if you take away home field, you're basically saying these two teams are the same. I'm just not sure I think the, the Raiders have sunk that low. The, the Raiders have no home field. Let's be clear about that. The Raiders have zero home field advantage. The other team brings more fans than them every single game. So, you know, I would take that half point or point that you're thinking about there and probably toss it out the window. All right. Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. What a Sunday night football game. Thank you, football gods, for giving us this one. It is point and a half all the way to two and a half now in favor of Cincinnati. 50 and a half is your total. Josh Allen not listed at all. No designation on the injury report, though we do know that there's something going on with his shoulder. It's just like, this little injury report game that these guys are playing, whatever, that's a whole nother podcast. But it's like, if if Sean McDermott has to come on to a press conference and say, I'm going to trust what the medical professionals are telling me, and we feel pretty good about Josh and his shoulder to the point where he's not even listed on the injury report a day later. Like, what are we what are we what are we doing here? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Josh Allen, not listed on the injury report, going to go. We get the very best sighting of Cincinnati last week. I was on it. I think y'all, other Adam, you were on it. Everybody, it was it was just a very very good uh, performance up and down from Cincinnati in this thing. Um, Stephen, it is. I don't know. I don't guess it'll make it to three, but it is two and a half now at a couple of different places. Um, as we know. The favorites tend to get bet in these standalone primetime games, so I don't know if we see this get all the way to three, but that would at least, in my opinion, could change the handicap of where I got this thing sitting at a point and a half. So I, I think the line movement in this game this week is fascinating because the early money was on the Bills, got it off a of three, and now the late week money is coming in on the Bengals. And as we know, the limits go up later in the week. So you should care more about that than you do the early week movement. And I think, Matt, you tell me if you disagree. I think the side you land on in this game very much depends on your style of handicapping. Because I think if you're using what the two teams have put on the field for the whole year and priors and the resumes that they put together, then you could very easily get to the conclusion that the Bills should never be three in this game. And that's why it very quickly came off the three. However, you know, the Breeders' Cup is this week, and I'm going to draw a comparison to something we sometimes do in horse racing handicapping. Mr. Ed. There is <laughs> Mr. Ed. Yes. The wonderful Mr. Ed. Um, Sometimes a horse just has a bad race. Sometimes a good horse just has a bad race. Of course. And you horse, just draw. Of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys are the, you guys are the best. Uh, sometimes you just draw a line through that race and don't consider it in future races because it's the one that is the outlier and isn't the, what we usually get. And I'm going to sit here now after thinking hard about Buffalo early in the week and tell you that you really should just draw a line through the first five or six weeks of the season for Cincinnati. Just draw a complete line through it and just act like it never happened for this offense because Burrow was a statue. He couldn't move. It was not him. I care more about the sample size of the past two years of what this offense has looked like when Joe Burrow was fully healthy. And if that is my starting point, 
then I can very easily get to Cincinnati as a small favorite in this game. When you combine that with the fact that the Buffalo defense still has major concerns at this point. Since week five, they are 27th in drop back success rate. If you filter out garbage time, they actually drop to 31st in drop back success rate. And the quarterbacks they have faced in that span, Trevor Lawrence, but also Tarod Taylor, Mac Jones, and Baker Mayfield. Not exactly a murderer's row. So I landed more on the smaller sample of Cincinnati the past couple of weeks with a more healthy Joe Burrow, but also trusting what I know about this offense from what we've seen with many of the same parts over the past couple of years. And I think they're getting Buffalo at the perfect time this week. Yeah, Adam, uh, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you give your spiel. Cause I don't want to take away anything that you, you want to say in this one, but um, it's uh like I said, just we have three elite, elite like in in a week with so much trash, we have three elite games. So that is enough to kind of get me through one in the morning window, one in the afternoon. So like we, we did good here. Uh, so I have a horse racing analogy that I don't know. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I have a three legged race analogy, actually. So when you talk, oh, about leg, oh hello, <laughs> hello, get in the potato sack, buddy. Um, okay. So I should be betting Cincinnati. Uh, in this game, I've largely adjusted back to preseason on Cincinnati. However, I'm not going to go all the way back to preseason on Cincinnati and then not adjust Buffalo down significantly as well because of the defense, as Stephen mentioned. And so basically what I'm saying here is I'm trying to be a little bit respectful of my prior on Buffalo in this spot because I... I have to be a little bit respectful of the fact that I had them ahead of Cincinnati in my power ratings to start the year. And we have, what, a little less than half of a season of sample size. And I want to mention the Rasul Douglas edition that we talked about with Green Bay earlier, because this year, Rasul Douglas, among starters, has the 11th PFF coverage grade. Like, if he's able to go in this game, he's a non-zero factor in the Buffalo defense. And one of the things we talked about with this Buffalo defense is that in losing guys up front, guys at the linebacker level, and guys in the secondary, that you had taken away all of their ability to play the type of defense that they played throughout the season. That's what we've seen out of the Buffalo Bills. (sighs) But my prior doesn't include Josh Allen's shoulder, and we don't Mm -hmm. know. And I got myself in trouble early in the year betting Cincinnati when I didn't know about Joe Burrow's calf. And so I ultimately have to pass on playing this game because of the uncertainty at quarterback for Buffalo. But if you did make me get involved in this thing, it probably would be with Cincinnati because what you saw of that offense last week was so encouraging against San Francisco. I, You guys know I'm on the air during the afternoon slate and we saw Joe Burrow on a designed quarterback keeper out of the shotgun, go run for a first down. And I looked at my partner partner and said, he's back because that's the play right there that tells you that he's ready to go again. Yeah, I'm I'm all over Cincinnati in this one. It was the first bet I made of the week. I thought the thing would I thought this thing would get all the way to three and maybe even test the other side of three. I was wrong. I came back in for more as the limits increased. And I I I like Cincinnati a lot in this game um if you look the Bills are injured on all three levels on the defense and what we have to look at with the Bills 
from a from an offensive standpoint as well, guys, is one of the reasons that I was skeptical, and you guys were were with me as we were doing previews, content, and stuff along the way. One of the reasons I was skeptical about Buffalo coming into this season was the fact that they didn't address the second playmaker position in the offseason. And so they were going to rely on a rookie tight end to basically come in and have to fill that void. While Dalton Kincaid has been fine, teams have started to figure out that we're just not going to let Steph Diggs beat us, right? And like, so if you want to beat us with Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid and all the things, I or running your quarterback with an injured shoulder, go right ahead. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you, we'll let you do that. And that's a major problem for this offense. And on the defensive side, like we mentioned, they're hurt in all three levels. And what better team to exploit that than this Cincinnati team at full health? Uh, I think we're seeing here, and you know, outside of, of all the stuff that we've mentioned here from the offensive reasons that we like Cincinnati, guys, this one, this buy hit them just at the absolute perfect time, right? So you get Joe Burrow healthy, you get T. Higgins healthy. But you also gave Lou Anarumo a week to figure out what the hell he was doing wrong. And I think we saw last week that he figured out some things that he was doing wrong. And they looked exponentially better on the defensive side of the ball. And they were making a lot of, they were confusing Brock Purdy on a lot of key downs and distances. That is the thing that really is, is, is what NFL is made of these days, right? Like they'll let chip down the field all you want to, right? Like, but don't get us on the third and sevens. Don't get us on the the the, the downs and distances that count and on the posi- field positions that count as well. And so for me, I think this is a very, very exploitable uh, spot here for Cincinnati. And I think that Burrow and them, if you want to alternate play, if you want a long shot play in this, like it's not very likely that Joe Burrow wins the MVP, but they are currently on a three-game win streak. If they win this game in prime time on Sunday night football, and then they have a run of Texans, Ravens, Steelers, Jags, Colts, Vikings, Steelers, all of which are winnable games. Not saying they're going to win all six games in a row, but all of which are very winnable games. And then sets up an at Chiefs in week 17 game with Patrick Mahomes. You're going to feel pretty good about having a 20 to one or longer on Joe Burrow from an MVP standpoint. Well, that's the real question, though, Matt. With Patrick Mahomes, are we sure? Are we sure that that, that the, the Chiefs could be done by that point? Like, this whole thing could be a wrap for the Chiefs, depending on what they do against Miami this week. Well, yeah, but is he going to sit two weeks in a row? Probably not, right? I mean, like. I'm just saying, you might not get a full yeah. Patrick Mahomes game, but yeah. hey, point, point being. Uh, Look at this game, but also pay very close attention to Miami, Kansas City if you're going to be talking about MVP race because if Tua balls out in this game, he's going to be right back in there. I think whoever wins that game is going to see their price shorten significantly between Tua and Mahomes. Like Whoever wins that game is the favorite and probably by a decent margin. Uh, I agree with you, Matt. Like If you just want to sprinkle on Burrow, just understand the losing quarterback in this Bills-Bengals game is basically dead for MVP because their team will have had four losses at that point. So whoever loses, I think, is totally done in MVP. Yeah, but there's a difference between betting someone at 7-1 to one and 20-1, to one, right? Like on, I agree. On, yeah, on, it, like if we're talking speculation, right, it's the path, like I just laid out, right? The path to Burrow getting there exists it's like it's not like it's like we're just taking a long shot on somebody for the hell of it right but but we're also at the point where it's one strike and you're out i mean who cares at 
he could. That's why it's twenty loses, to one. Right. right. But if he if he loses this game, then he might as well be a thousand to one. It doesn't matter. Like or he could he could his price could shorten. He was eighty to one a couple of weeks ago. I mean, so his his price has already shortened a lot. That's all I'm saying. But I, I hear your point. It makes sense. The path is there for him to still do it. And among the guys outside that top tier, I agree that would be the guy I would take a chance on. It's just the path is narrow at this point, and he has to run pure. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it's but again, there's, that's the reason why the number is attached to him as opposed to what it is for all these other guys. Yes, they are far more likely to win it. But again, it's a the path is certainly there uh, for Burrow to get there. And a lot of people don't want to put four ones in their account this time of year. If you want to put a 20 to one in your account, you know, again, there's there's a guy that's very live to uh, to get it done. Guys, we uh, you know, don't talk a ton of Monday Night Football in here. We do separate videos on that. Chargers, Jets. I will just say this uh, on this, Adam. Um, if I could take one game this week, put it on a rocket, and fire it into the sun, it would actually be this Chargers and Jets game. The number on the other side of three with the Chargers on the road. I, I mean, like, it's just kind of like. Jets. Blow this game. Like, just, just incinerate this game into the sun. You know? Jets. Jets plus three and a half. I don't care about the offensive line injuries. I don't care about Zach Wilson. You are not getting me to bet the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers laying more than a field goal on the road against an elite defense, against a defense that we have seen time after time after time stifle other teams, and against what has been over the last four weeks by measures, measures and measures, the worst defense in the National Football League in the Los Angeles Chargers. It's down to 40. You don't like the Jets. You're scared of the Jets. Play <laughs> under. Then play under. He's he's literally reading my notes right now. I have all of that. Like I've also bet Jets three and a half. The Jets have the number one pressure rate in the NFL with the number thirty one blitz rate. Like that is a that's a massive cheat code in this day and age in the NFL. So and I agree. I, this defensive matchup doesn't scare me. Like Zach Wilson can implode any given week, but if there's a matchup where he's less likely to do it, it's this one. And we're getting three and a half. So I'm I'm with Adam on this one. Uh, Adam, it is that time of year that we check in on the weather in certain parts of the country. Certainly that would be one of the ones we would check in as of the recording of this looks like it's going to be pretty mild over there. Uh, doesn't look like it's going to be that big of, of anything. So, uh, that being said, I, I would, I would like the jets even more. I would love for uh, some sort of cold front to come weather. through. I would love for some sort of, yeah, I mean like, please. Mother Nature, if you're out there, let, let, let me get a bet that I feel comfortable with in this game because you come in and you bring the hell with you and like let that let that happen. That would be great. If if you think that either one of these teams is going to score more than 20 points in this game, <laughs> stop right there and look at that 40 and think it's still playable under. Yep. Yeah, it's it's just a. Uh, I already boy. bet against the Chargers next week too. Short Good. week against there the Lions. Go who are coming off a bye, massive rest oh. advantage. I already oh, got the hey, Lions ne next week. If we're, hey, but before we, before we jump out of here, if you're going to look yeah. at something for next week, uh, last four weeks, non-garbage time EPA, this team is number one offensively and number two defensively. Jacksonville Jaguars at home against San Francisco on a teaser leg, still sitting two and a half that you can get out to eight and a half. Jags plus eight and a half at home on San Francisco. Wrap that up with something that you like this week. Oh, how about the Lions? Yo, there's they are, they are gifts early. 
they are point and a half dogs at a couple of the books out there. So you could get that up to seven and a half if you wanted to against the Chargers. Wow, that is there. It is that is that is wild. That's on bets on bets. So the the lion, uh, yeah, over in L.A. You don't think any of these guys are you don't you don't think any of the fans of the Lions with the season that they're having are going to want to get out of Detroit in the winter and head over to L.A. to catch a game, do you? You don't think there's going to be a lot of Lions fans in the stadium, do you? Of course. Oh, my God. It's going to be 50-50. You, you, know who, you know who's going to be there? Everyone who wants Ben Johnson to become the coach of the Chargers next year is going to be at that <laughs> game cheering on the Lions, wants to have huge success. Oh, Listen, boy, I, you, that is... you, guys, you guys are assuming too much. It's a balmy 58 degrees in Detroit, Michigan today. It's, it's, a, it's like <laughs> summer extended up there right now. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it might not be next week. It might <laughs> not true. be. It might not be next week when it's all said and done, guys. Everything we do, absolutely free. So do appreciate your support by just clicking that subscribe button, giving us a thumbs up, and then let us know in the comment section. You know, hey, look, what do you agree with? What do you not agree with? Is there anything you'd like us to hit on in the future here on the podcast? We will certainly take everything into consideration. You can follow Stephen over on the Twitter machine at Stephen Anders. You can follow it's oh, wait, Stephen Anders one. Why'd you have to add a one? Your your name is like actually pretty unique. Is there another Steven Andrus out there? Very, very simple and very Twitter explanation. Uh, some Russian bot stole my original. Oh, handle. okay. All right. Okay. So yeah. So there's no, there like no tweets or anything. Yeah. It's just like, it I just put, exists. when I worked for the Colts, they made me put Colts on my handle. And then when I left the Colts, I tried to get my name back and a Russian bot already. Uh, stolen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sad. Adam Candy got his name, though. At Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. I did not get mine, but I have a very basic bitch name. So at Matt Brown M2, if you want to find <laughs> me over on the Twitter machine. Good luck on all your week nine bets. <laughs>